This podcast supports equality, diversity, and inclusion for all walks of life. Enjoy. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast, Lifestyle and Mindfulness with Laura. The podcast is about all things lifestyle, all things mindfulness, and you can find us on our Instagram at lifestyle.mindfulnesswithlaura. We release a podcast weekly found on most podcast streaming services such as Spotify, Google, Apple, and many more. You can find the link to the podcast through the bio on our Instagram. So feel free to head on over there and check out all of our other episodes. It sucks to be me. <laughs> Please put that in. <laughs> It's like a sucka sucka Because that song I'm in EQ, right? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't listened to that soundtrack in ages. Oh, it's so funny. I love it. Hi guys, it's Laura here. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I've got Jessie with me today. Hello. And we're in person um, for the first time on the podcast, but she's my bubble buddy friend. So we're doing everything legal. <laughs> <laughs> bubble buddy. Bubble, 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 buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is really awesome. It's nice to not see you through a screen and actually be here. So great. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going to touch on a few topics today. But um, do you want to just like first introduce yourself to the listeners? Like who are you, what do you do, and a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, so my name is Jessie Nielsen Carreño. Um, I am a Colombozzi, Colombian Australian, um, <laughs> living in Australia for the past probably 17 years. Um, cat mum, I am a teacher and performer. Um, currently, thanks to the pandemic, I am solely a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yes, remotely, <laughs> Remote, over the screen. Over the screen, <laughs> tearing my hair out. I'm like, are you real? Turn on your cameras. <laughs> Ah, oh. and do you tend to dress from the waist up? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got these like this. Look, um, I haven't worn jeans, worn jeans until today. This whole pandemic. <laughs> I have a pair of grey sweatpants, pink ones and yellow ones, and they have matching jumpers. But I wear like a like a kind of a, like a crop top or a silky blouse plus a blazer, and then take it all off when I don't have to work anymore. <laughs> and my slippers. <laughs> yeah, perfect. That's that's so funny. Um, we had another guest on the show just recently, um, Nicole, and she's also a teacher. And yeah. she mentioned the same thing. Like yeah. she accidentally she wanted to uh, show one of her students something, and she has a whiteboard in her office. Yeah. So, so she stood up and she's um, completely forgot that she was wearing like her pajama pants. <laughs> um, so we had a really good laugh about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's kind of a good talking point for the students as well because they're kind of like. <laughs> Something interesting happening, you know. It must be. I wonder what it would be like for the kids and the students to actually see their teachers at home. It's like probably the first perception for them where the, where the glass is shattered of like, oh, my teacher is a person. They have a house. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> well, with me, I teach adults. Um, I was teaching kids when we had that mini, mm. like that middle point when you could go to the schools. Like that was still stage three, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. before the second lockdown. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, it's still... Look, I feel like adults, when they go to school again, like I'm an English teacher to foreigners. Yeah. When adults go back into the classroom, they revert to who they were as kids. <laughs> and sometimes it's hella annoying, but most of the time it's amusing. And you know, you know, you can kind of apply the same like classroom management strategies from kids to adults sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're all like, we're all kids, really. Yeah. We just we just grow up and become a little bit more worldly and yeah. figure out the, the systems that we're living in politically yeah. and educationally and all that stuff. But yeah, like I could totally see why adults come into the classroom and they revert back to being kids yeah, again. Because yeah, yeah. those are your earliest memories of totally. being in a classroom is when you're a kid. Yeah, I yeah. know that when I went to Portuguese classes, um, 
I'd make it all, even Theatre Blacks when I was with you in the first yeah. six months, I reverted to the chatterbox that I was and it was really embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> so, <spoken> too. <laughs> so um, yeah, Jesse and I did a, um, a musical theatre or yeah, it was like a dance musical theatre course together. Yeah. Um, and uh, was that the first time you and I really connected properly? That's where I met you. That's where we met. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we go further back than that. But well, it's... I, I saw you on stage. Yeah. Dancing. Yeah. So I knew who you were, <laughs> but you didn't know who I was. <laughs> that was Chicago. Chicago, yeah. Yeah, so, and we've got mutual friends and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Um, that's why I feel like we go back further, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it feels like that. Yeah. <laughs> All of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but... Uh, it's, it's also hard to be a musical theatre performer studying, doing all the prac, which is all the dance stuff, and you're not allowed to talk, but you're a musical theatre performer, yeah. and so all you want to do is express yourself, which means talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I learned, like, probably after the first six months to shut my trap. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I think for chatterboxes like us, it's actually more of a skill to learn how to active listen, yeah. um, whereas there's other people out in the world that, uh, quiet and shy and they've got to build confidence to have more of a voice but yeah. you and I don't seem to have an issue with that. <laughs> I'm pretty confident. Yeah. I'm pretty confident. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like letting other people be confident and shine. Yeah. yeah totally. Um, yeah so some of the we will be talking about musical theatre today and some of the other topics we'll talk about um, revolve around culture and um, animals being cats because you have cats. Yes I do. Yeah so um, and yeah, the podcast is lifestyle and mindfulness, mindfulness, but, um, it's pretty much just a podcast where I want people to come and just be themselves because everyone has something to offer. Everyone has gone through different experiences and have learned things along the way. Um, and, um, and we're still constantly learning as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I let's start talking about cats. Cause I think that's, that's like a really good topic for things like around mental health and the pandemic and stuff, because mm -hmm. I know this is like a fairly recent venture for you, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and you started out with one cat and then you got another one so they could be friends. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great, crazy. It, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I adopted Yennefer. If anyone watches The Witcher, we named our ginger kitty um, Yennefer, who was um, the witch character mm. from The Witcher. And got her and realized that she was extremely needy. Right. Well, we got a cat because I'm needy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest here. <laughs> I was not okay. The, the In the pandemic, I was not okay mental health-wise. Uh, still not like 100% okay, but I'm getting there. Um, we got a cat to fulfill my needs. Uh, my boyfriend is a yeah. dog person, but he was very gracious to yeah. let me... In, in oh, he's a keeper. Gus yes, is. is a dog person, lets you have cats. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, he let me have one, and she was extremely needy. Like, we had to play with her an hour to two hours a day. She wouldn't stop. She was relentless. And we thought maybe getting another cat would be a great idea. They could be friends. They could be friends. Yeah. yeah. And um, we read that it's better to adopt um, the opposite sex. Oh. So we, we looked for a boy, and it would. Like, we kept getting rejected because, you know, like, thousands of people are applying for these cats in a pandemic, right? Yeah, every I've noticed that too because yeah. I've, I've looked into that myself with cats and dogs and they're yeah. all taken. Yeah. Yeah. They're st well, um, kitten season, I don't know about puppy season, is starting now because spring has sprung. Mm. So it's now, but we were looking in winter. Um, and we managed finally because I have a friend um, through Musical Theatre um, Connections who is part of uh, Cheltenham Cat Rescue and um, she alerted me to a, a litter of kittens who had one boy left. Oh. Love him to bits. He is a freaking psycho cat. <laughs> we called him Jaskia, who is another character in The Witcher. Um, <laughs> and I take it you like The Witcher. I like The Witcher, <laughs> yes. We'll probably get a dog and name him Geralt <laughs> next year. But, yeah, so they didn't really like each other in the first maybe two, three weeks. And now they're just thick as thieves. You know, it's great. Yeah. And it's fantastic. To have them both because they they fulfill certain needs <laughs> my needs one's really clingy that's mm -hmm. the boy and the other one like she is a bit of a therapy cat she will give you love when she feels like it but when when you get that love you're like oh i deserve this yeah, yeah. like you really feel like you've learned uh, earned her attention yeah. and yeah. love yeah. yeah yeah i've had similar experiences in the past with cats as well and yeah. i grew up with dogs and so i'm used to that um constant attention from dogs yeah. and they're like 
throw the ball, me, 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 give me that food. And yeah. a cat is just like, nah. And then yeah. <laughs> for a few hours and then the cat will come and find you and want your lap. And you're like, oh my God, I've earned the love of this animal. Um, I am worthy. Yeah. yeah, yeah so I get so jealous when one of them goes to sleep with um, Dante instead of me. Because uh. like, I could have been at like nine or 10, Dante's still playing video games. And then one comes to me while I'm already asleep and the other one goes to Dante. And I'm just like, no. You're like, why? Why him? Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I could totally, totally understand that for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm someone that doesn't have any animals and I, I live on my own. And yeah, Jesse's able to be over because of the bu- yeah. bubble buddy system, being a single person and living by myself. So I have definitely wanted to look into getting an animal of some description. Definitely. Um, I just, it's just the companionship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, off the record, put you in contact with this great rescue who just started doing dogs. Ah. Um, primarily cat. I got Yenny from her. Yeah. And now she's got dogs, so. I would love a dog because, I mean, I'm quite active and even more so more active because of we've got all this time on our hands. And I've been doing, like, I average it about six to ten kilometre walks a day. Yeah. And it's been, it's been so good. But yeah, like being able to have like a little dog on a leash and yeah. a friend that you're with. Yeah. Oh, that would so be so good. good. It does wonders for the soul, to be honest. And also <sighs> like the nurturing side of you, like caring for another animal. Yeah. You know? Caring for something else outside of you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's probably. That's I've been doing thing. that with the flowers in my apartment. <laughs> like I've got to change the water every day. I bought a bouquet of lilies around my birthday, which yeah. was like about a month ago now and it was a really good indication for me to watch time pass me by it wasn't just the sun going up and down um and me just getting sick of my own presence and my own voice in my head um but watching the flowers open up um it's the small things at the moment that bring you joy um but it does give me an indication of like a continuum of time is passing yeah they're beautiful yeah, um, I really love the color of these ones. It's kind of like a red wine pink color. Yeah, um, they match your outfit. <laughs> yeah, I like purples and pinks yep. and things like that. But um, yeah, no, that's so good. I'm I'm really happy you took the risk to become like a cat mum. And like, did you do a lot of research beforehand? Yeah, um, I definitely wanted a. They call them smoochy. So smoochy cats. I. I like they kind of vet the personalities to suit your oh, personality. Cool. And I was like, I'm pretty independent and neat at the same time. I don't know if that works, but I'm very similar. <laughs> that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I wanted a smoochy pet because I was just so sad and I needed this comfort that you. Yes, you can get from your partner, sure. But yeah. like having an animal is just you know. But sometimes your partner is also just like don't touch me or like, yeah, I need or, space. And they yeah. go into the other room and you're like, but I want something. Yeah, yeah. Or they're like, I don't know what to do. Let me fix it. And you're like, you don't have to fix it. Just listen. <laughs> just stroke my hair and massage me, please. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Just hold me. Um, but were, um, after you became a cat mom, like were there parts of being a cat mom that you didn't expect oh. that really surprised you? Yes. I mean, not exactly a surprise, but, like I was fully committed to go into it. Obviously, it's very hard when a person in your couple loses their job and you're the sole owner to then adopt two beings that you're responsible for. But I was totally into it. Yeah. I didn't prepare for the fact. Like I was like, yeah, um, pet insurance um, is fine. Then I couldn't find a pet insurance that's, that's good. Because mm. um, like... Um... Yeah, just for those listening, because of the pandemic, etc. Like in Australia, in Melbourne, we have like JobKeeper and JobSeeker, and yeah. that's those are government funded payouts that some of us, not all of us, yeah. some of us are eligible for. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like that is, like, it's a it's obviously a risky decision for sure. Yeah. yeah so yeah. pet insurance, yeah. And my partner's Mexican American, so he doesn't get any rights here. Yeah. Um, he's not a citizen yet. Um, yeah. But I was like, I know what I'm in for. These are my these are my children for all wants and purposes. And uh, pet insurance is not good enough in Australia. It's um, I did my research. It's better to just have a fund for them. Uh-huh. Um, and t- yeah, that was my decision to have a fund for them. Yeah. Um, just save it there and see if like if you need to tap into it. Sure. I probably will get insurance because 
um, I didn't expect that my oldest cat mm. would have herpes. Oh, She's got right. like eye herpes, herpes of the eye, and um, that initial consultation was like four hundred, five hundred dollars, including right. the medication. The oh, it was it was yeah, vet bills, right? They're expensive. Vet bills, yeah, yeah. Hit to the gut, but um, it's manageable. So now it's only about a hundred a month. We'll see. Yeah. yeah, and is that just like the upkeep of medication? Yeah. Okay. And cool. she might not even have to continue medication after October, so we'll see after the. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I've that's deterred me off from getting animals is just um, you know I don't I mean I know you guys are you've got one income at the moment, but yeah. I'm I'm also just one person. Yeah. So it's the idea of like if I did get into a little bit of trouble with vet bills, like it's completely a responsibility on me. Yeah. Um, obviously there's family and friends you can turn to when you're desperate, but no, who wants to do that? No one wants to do that. Yeah. You don't want to, do you that. don't want to do that. You, you um, have to, you will if you have to. But. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, like it's something to consider. So like, um, I think people can easily get carried away with the romance of getting a, an animal yeah. and like, it's important to, um, especially with mental health, like, it's so easy to make a snap decision to want to have an animal, but you've got to have the right breed for the right environment. And, you know, if it's a dog and the sort of breed has to have a backyard, like don't do your best to not keep it in like a tiny little apartment and it's locked, locked inside for most of the day. And, um, or just make sure that you're a really active person. And if you, if you don't have a backyard, at least you're going to be outdoors every day with it. Um, but just being smart and like, it's it's a compromise of putting yourself first to have the animal, but you need to put the animal first for the animal's well being. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way though. Cats are good yeah. like that though, because you can have them indoors and if they don't yeah. know any different then they're happy where they are. I think Jennifer's happy with being inside. Jessica not so much. I think <laughs> we're, we're moving next year and I'm gonna make a, a cat there's cat enclosures that you can yeah. just move around. I'll just pop it on the grass and he'll be a happy little vegemite, I think. Yeah. That would be good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, that's really good. Um, So, I mean, (laughs) we can talk about Cats the Musical. (laughs) And Uh, and then we can segue into talking about musical (laughs) theatre. It's like, don't sing too much of the song. We don't have the rights. Um, (laughs) But, um,. Have you done Cats the Musical? No, no. So what um what I told you about last time. <laughs> actually, musical mugwumps, for those listening, please watch their themes on Sundays. They are so cool. What they is this? So they um, are a group um, who do, I believe they did, well, shows in person before the pandemic. But what they've been doing during the pandemic mm. is online read-throughs of musicals. I've seen you post that up, but I haven't looked at it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. So cool. So I was in the, in the Wicked one. Um, as one of the Aussians, and they, like, it's a read-through. You're not cast as something. You're having a really great time with all these people. Um, for example, Elphaba is played by different people because uh, one person's doing Defying Gravity and one person's doing oh, for Good. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, and it's freaking cool and, you know. So because it's a read-through, do the songs get performed? Yeah, yeah. Too? Oh. So Stacey um, Camilleri, who is this talent to be reckoned with um she i believe correct me if i'm wrong she creates the backing track i believe Mm. and she gives you the sections of the songs beforehand so you play it from an extra device yeah and record yourself singing it right right so i had like the first i don't know 35 bars of i forgot the song now from wicked yeah and i had the first 20 something bars um of grizabella's entrance in Mm. In cats, mm-hmm. right? Which was very cool. So that's where you saw the picture. I wasn't really Grizabella. I was, you know, an homage to. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I was like, oh, you got cat the uh, cat makeup on. Yeah, as in like the musical cats. Um, yeah. she didn't look like she was going to a Halloween party. Everybody, she, <laughs> she it was very like stage esque. Yeah, 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 yeah. I left. Um, so I try with. Um, if I have to turn my camera off, I'll have a picture as me of a character from the show, for example. If yeah, you know. Like, a, my cat's getting in the way of, you know, being in the screen or something, and there are, <laughs> there are spectators. <laughs> yeah, that's so yeah. funny. It's um, really good. 
But uh, what brought you towards musical theatre? Where you did was it something you did when you were really young? I've always tried to pinpoint this, and I believe it's. So I used to live in Brunei, uh, which is on the island of Borneo, and I went to an international school. And there was this production of Little Rock Riding Hood. Okay. And there's this rock and roll Riding Hood Christmas special musical thing um, <laughs> that I remember sitting in the audience for. And, How old were you? Uh, I guess I would have been like four. Oh, yeah, really little. Five, really little. Yeah, yeah. But, or oh, maybe five. And I was not a kid that would shut up. Well, he'd probably hear that now. I'm not an adult who would shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I I sat for so long oh. and shut up because oh. I was in awe. And I remember looking at Little Red Riding Hood and saying, "I want to be that." Oh, cute. Yeah. So that's probably my like stem of it. And Disney yeah. movies. Come on, Disney movies. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. yeah the princesses having their little solos. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. And yeah. like Disney, uh, they do a very good job at those songs. And yeah, um, I just wish they would have more alto princesses. Well, mezzos. They're all sopranos. Yeah, or well, well, mezzo-soprano. Mezzo, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it would be good to see um, yeah, more of an alto uh, range of voice, yes. for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, altos always get the crappiest um, harmony in musicals, and <laughs> I've always... I've Pretty much in every like community theatre musical I've done, I've always been an alto. Yeah. But I did. I actually was in the musical Cats with yeah. a company. Um, Who did you play? I was um, Jelly Lorem, which was originally Marina Pryor's character when oh. she was nineteen in in the production in Australia. Cool. Yeah. So That's an alto cool. with Marina Pryor like vo- vocal range. So that that show, I was completely out of my comfort zone vocally, but it actually pushed me to extend my high register so in the overture um uh she has to randomly hit a high c yes and so um i had to learn how to do that (laughs) i'm not warm now don't ask me to do it but it's like like really (laughs) high um and that really taught me to realize just how nice of a high register i had for an alto um, but like it, I was being pushed, like vocally, I had to be yeah, yeah. like with my coach, like I was very nervous and completely out of my depth. But, yeah. um, after having done it, um, yeah, it's, it's so good to be pushed though. Cause you figure out parts of you that you didn't realize were possible. <laughs> well, I think it's possible. I've heard your voice and I think you would be perfect uploading Alto's Lament. You know how she goes, and though I have a great high C, <laughs> like, and she goes up there and does the high C. Is that off Spamalot? I actually don't know where it's from. It might be. Alto's Lament. No, yeah. I, no, there's a different, I think there's a different song on Spamalot's um, playlist. Yeah. Um, sorry, soundtrack, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But um, yeah, um, I've always been someone in musical theatre that has struggled with repertoire and I've like people really nerd out on directors and names of choreographers and like who wrote that screenplay and I'm just like eh I just like musical theater you know like I just rock up on the day for the audition and I'm like I'm just here because I love I love the show it's not I don't tend to nerd out on all those other details about industry people and um probably probably another reason why um not, not another reason why but like it's probably just a sign to see like I, I probably wasn't steering towards doing it professionally anyway. Yeah. It's for me it was more of more about self expression and the opportunity to feel seen is when you're on stage as well. So yeah. um I was more interested in how I felt expressing myself doing all the things rather than nerding out about the creative process. Mm-hmm. Um because I've got a dance background, like I've danced from the age of three to eighteen and then did it full time when I was like 18 training for one, a whole year. So I did, to give you an idea, it was like four hours of intense dance training, five days a week. And I think my teacher at the time only ever gave us one week off in the middle of the year. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and they normally did from other years that this course had been running, they always did a mid-year showcase and an end of year showcase. But this particular year, the person running the course only ever wanted to do the end of year showcase. And he just wanted to really drill us hard to become industry dancers, which 
I become a dancer and a performer so that I can be on stage. So having a milestone like in the middle of the year, like a mid-year showcase, gives you, number one, gives you something to work towards. Um, And it's also an exciting opportunity to know that you're going to be on stage in that six-month period. Yeah. Um, Quite a long 12 months without being... That's like, why else would you do it if you're a performer? Like, you want to be on stage, so... That's why I feel so sorry for the people at Theatre Blacks, like the students at the moment. Um, Although, the coordinator there, Alana Harris-Black... So let's plug her. (laughs) While while we're talking about it, let's just explain to everyone what it is. You'd be able to explain it better than me, so... Yes. So, it's awesome. Um, it is a course. Well, actually, you can do. What's it called? <laughs> it's called Theatre Blacks, and you can do part time and now full time. Um, and there's different certificates yeah, for different courses. things, you right? You can do certificates and you can do diplomas. For example, I did a diploma in um, musical theatre. Uh, my friend did a double diploma in dance and musical theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, acting's coming up as well. Um, and there are certificates you can do in less time as well. Um, fantastic. And I started doing the course with you yeah. and I was I was at the time doing a diploma in dance because I wanted to upskill my qualifications. Yeah. Um, I already had – I've got the experience and was just out of training, like I was out of condition. Yeah. Um, and it was another opportunity, like I said, to just like upskill my paperwork um, okay. because when I did my full-time dance course, none of that's accredited. It was literally just you could put that person's name – with the course of who you did it under on your CV or something. Um, but that's as much credibility as it gives you. It doesn't yeah. give you any government recommendate, um, government, yeah, recognition. Yeah. Um, which is so really crap, really, because we, like, all of us as students, and obviously I did as well, like, you invest thousands of dollars yeah. into this course to become an athlete, essentially. And you walk away with with um, all of that training and the skills. Obviously, after that, like if you stop, you're gonna lose all of it. It's like yeah. any athlete. If you're not training, you're gonna lose it and get rusty again, and then you've got to get back into condition. But you know, it 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 boiled down to 19 hours of physical dance training a week, and I did the math on that the other day, and I think it came to about. <sighs> just over 900 hours within the 12 months of that Ooh. one year. Um, what was it? Malcolm Gladwell said something about that. Was it that. the 10,000 hours? Oh, it's 10,000, isn't it? Yeah, to become yeah. a master at anything, you have to do 10,000 10, hours of it. But you would have done that since, because you've... I would have done it. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. I, I'd been dancing since I was three years old. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so um, just because we, we didn't really have any breaks throughout that entire period, throughout the year... Um, and because it was so constant, the, rep- the, the repetition, like when it comes to discipline and repetition, you would know this too. There's mm. always, um, good things and hard work and, um, talking to my friend on the other podcast, Nikki, she mentioned the book, the compound effect, and it is like small little steps over a long period of time add up to a huge result. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was really depressed at the end of that course cause at the time I was 18 as old, uh, years old as well and so you don't know you don't know how you fit into the world when you're 18 mm. you don't even know yourself when you're 18 let alone what you should be doing and not be doing and all that yeah. sort of stuff um but yeah like I'm really glad that our mutual friend Eileen really has stepped into herself with her business and theater blacks and yeah. is offering properly qualified accredited courses oh, so great uh yeah <laughs> and like of course they've all had to go online because of the p- pandemic, but she's she's dealing with it really she well. She does so well. Oh my god. She's a chameleon. Yeah, she yeah. totally is, and she's making sure everyone gets their education. And it's, she's very yeah. passionate about education. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really yeah. it's really admirable. I am going back next year to do the advanced diploma, and I will see if I have time to do the dance one, or if I'll just do that right after that one. Yeah. Because um, it will be a full year without dancing except in my, I'm doing tap in my kitchen that's so yeah. great um because you bought yourself some plywood didn't I you? did um, yeah. on um, the recommendation of Eden Reed who shout out to her <laughs> another tap who, teacher who's, oh yeah. my gosh um I hated tap until he came along like um 
in the first, like, I think he did like a class with us and he was just like a replacement teacher for Alanin. Alanin is a great tapper, by the way. I just didn't get it. My body was like, no, I can't, I can't do this. I don't understand my coordination. Eden was like, stop. <laughs> first step, repeat. Again, stop. Second, okay, combine it. And then now I'm like, I'm a tapper, what? <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. amazing. I love tap dance. So I've... I that's make sure so good. Yeah. Like, he, like, like this teacher can come along and make you fall in love with something. Oh, that's he's amazing. so great. And I make sure that I do. I got my, chills just now. Yeah. <laughs> I make sure that I do my tapping um, between the legal hours of no, when <laughs> we like. I can't get noise complaints from the rest of my building. That is hilarious. <laughs> I've actually been really wanting to buy a new pair of tap shoes for a while yeah. now. Um, I really want to get a pair of the. Um, we're not sponsored, by the way, but yeah, no, we're all just of, like shout out, shout out. Yeah, but you know, we're all about love and um, putting out. Uh, you know, I, I think it's great that we promote each other. You yeah. know, building each other up is only going to like um, make all of our lives better. Yeah. So, but Capezio tap shoes, they have a little bit of weight um, <sighs> and a bit of heel on them, but they're they're more like a street tap shoe and they're yeah. a bit chunky. They so. are the dream. They're so beautiful. Yeah, and they're yeah, yeah they are. Yeah. Um, but. Um, I, I find because like I've got the chorus heel tap shoes, but they are a three inch heel, um, and you've got to have like strong ankles and things like that. And yeah. I've been out of condition for so long that having more of a street tap shoe, um, and a bit of weight in the a bit of weight in the taps also can make tap dancing feel easier too. Yeah. Because um, you got uh, once you get the momentum going through your ankles, like gravity helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So. That's awesome. I'm so glad that a teacher like that can come along because I'm really passionate yeah. about education yeah. on all levels. Um, but it's so nice that someone can come along and be patient with you, slow it and break it down yeah. and then drill you. Yeah. I love the being drilled aspect of learning dance because that is the only way to get better. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Are you a bit of a theatre nerd? Like, are you into all that sort of theatre knowledge of the industry and like, but no, I totally yeah. get it. In terms of representation, I'm. Look, we, we were talking about the Rob Guest endowment um, mm. thing today. Um, how. So there's this award in. Is it Melbourne or Victoria or all of Australia? That's what I've been trying to find out. I haven't. I haven't seen. I think it might be. There's old musical theatre and there's new musical theatre. Like. Yeah, to a certain degree, I think yes. Um, I'm like, if we think of the context of movies, I will always look at it as a period piece and see if like the costuming and the makeup and the the things are right. And in musical theater, I'm like, okay, this was set, for example, in the 20s, but the costumes are off and that's not what they would do. And like, I'm kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I would like to be- Like you can break it down and analyze yeah, it and see, yeah. like you have that critical eye. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I love it. And um, now, Thanks to this course, you know, if I see a musical and I know who it's by, then I'll, I'll research other musicals that he or she has written. And um, sometimes I don't go too deep into it. But if yeah. I get obsessed with a musical, I get obsessed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, just throw me a musical that you're obsessed with. Well, at the moment, it's Beetlejuice just because I love... Um, oh my gosh, what's her name? Leslie Kritzer is amazing mm. and she does the dual role of miss argentina and um delia okay and i've been told that i should do oh what's the song ah <laughs> it's a song that she sings because she's so she's so positive and like vibes and she's like yeah the universe is not just meaningless something with no end and just la 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 that's <laughs> called no reason she's like everything everything happens for a reason oh, cool. you know and she's really cool and kind of flighty and stuff and then she, she comes <laughs> sounds up, like you just like me. i'm not flighty <laughs> no i'm joking but i radiate positive energy apparently obviously people don't know me very well <laughs> but um and then she comes on stage as this like they will know you Latin, well yeah this yeah. latina goddess and she's like I was hot. I went to parties a lot, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a dream role. And she like dances the tango because she's from Argentina, you know. Yeah, yeah, And I'm yeah. just like, oh, dream role. And like Leslie Kritz is also a white Latina like myself. So I kind of like yeah. identify a bit. That's good. You know? Like we are Latina, but then people well, will be like, you don't look like one. Yeah, <laughs> like ah, that, that's like such a racist thing to say. <laughs> oh, you don't look like your culture, and yeah, it's like yeah, oh, well, thanks. Yeah, um, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
and it's good to see slowly and it's it's unfortunate that it takes such a long time for equality with things like race and sexuality to come into musical theater as well yeah um but we're getting there and it's happening in terms of musical theater and the different shows that are out there it might be victoria or it could be all of australia because like there's a musical theater scene in sydney which is really big industry wise as well as melbourne but um, it's Rob Guest Endowment, which is a... Is it a yearly award? Yeah, it's yearly, and they have um, scholarships for 30 people, I believe. So I found out about this yesterday. I'm trying to keep off um, social media as much as I can because it's stressful. But I found out about this, and um, they've cancelled this scholarship because it seems to be that all the 30 finalists are white. I don't know about so their backgrounds. Lack, there's lack of diversity. Yes, lack of diversity. Yeah. And it was this whole thing. They, um, The management team said that they have cancelled and the apology was actually not good enough. They said um, our contestants are being bullied, so we have decided to cancel it. Oh, wow. And that's not how it went down. The finalists actually spoke out and said, no, we collectively agreed to stop because of the lack of representation. Oh, really? Yes. Yes, and so it's kind of... Wow, that's really yeah. important to clarify that. Yes, yeah. yes. It's it's not good enough. Um, they're, like, it makes me quite angry because representation is really important. Um, people are talking about, oh, it should be on um, talent and merit. Um, everyone who auditions for that, mm. they're equally talented or at least like the, there's a tier there, right? Yeah. I went to the audition for six, heaps of colored people yeah so six is a musical yeah yeah six musical Mm. heaps of people um there who got callbacks you know i saw people from like um the indian backgrounds yeah you know i saw um african australians i saw yeah asian australians like everyone was there basically like everyone showed up all types of diversity showed up for that audition there are people i don't understand why they couldn't include them in the end there are talented people people who got called this obviously as well goes comes back to um there needs to be more diversity on the panels yeah and it's the same in any workplace like i think that's something people forget they get we can tend to get swept up in the romance of musical theater and theater, like theater and performance in general yeah. and that we can forget wait a second who are the people at the top running all this yeah exactly um, yeah. and it's the same in like every every single industry has yeah. the same issue of we, we need more diversity we need to also in terms of like other industries maybe not so much musical theater although i'm sure musical theater does have its own sort of feminism issues on on panels and boards and who's running things maybe at the top top like the people that we don't see in the room yeah Uh, like we don't as performers and auditionees we don't see that we Mm -hmm. only see who's in the room on the day yeah but um you know in terms of um running these shows and theater companies and cruise ship companies yeah as like a corporation we actually don't know who's at the top top top. yeah 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 Yeah. and it definitely shows in um for example the apology the apology was my contestants are being bullied my white contestants are being bullied yeah it's like it erases me (laughs) yeah it erases the stories like i feel really sorry for the 30 contestants that can no longer do this but it erases the stories of the people of color who are trying to get into this industry and have been met and most most of these people too when you really boil it down they're like our generation which is completely different yeah. to the baby boomer generation yeah. and maybe they're the ones who have been influenced from their uh period of time in their life where they were brought up in yeah. um but the world is rapidly changing yeah. so fast now and all for the better yeah um and then if the contestants are the ones that spoke out they are probably all 35 years old and younger yeah, yeah. and that's our generation basically yeah. and yeah like we're um, Eliza Schlesinger, the comedian who I love, yeah. she coined the term elder millennial. So you and I are kind of come just into the cusp of being an elder millennial. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't say that. I know. But then we're not quite millennials, but we're not. No, we are millennials. We are millennials? Yeah, we are. Okay, well, we're not we're, elder millennials. We're the OG millennials. <laughs> well, there's like the, there's Generation the... X and then there's Generation Y. and. Yeah. Then there's millennials. So, yeah. I don't know no, where we we're are. We're millennials, and then there's Gen Z after us. Oh, so, right. Yeah. So we are the the OGs, <laughs> okay? And then these young 
I should fact check this. Yeah, yeah. Gen Zs are the TikTok generation. (laughs) Oh my god. We're old. No, we're not old. No, that's why it makes me laugh when people are like, uh, uh, boomers versus millennials. I think, I'm like, you're forgetting the ones between us, which I think is Gen... The ones that grew up in the 90s as teenagers, whereas we were kids. Well, those are my brothers. They're they're generation Y. Y, okay. So, they're... Because I'm five years younger than my... I think they're Gen X. Because millennials are Gen Y. Oh, okay. Yeah. If I look, if I'm wrong, please correct me. But, yeah, um, we can fact check. This. Yeah, yeah we'll fact check this later. <laughs> but they always forget about that generation in the middle, and they forget that they're like, oh, Greta Thunberg is, you know, this millennial. She's not. She's Wait, who is who's Greta this? Thunberg? She's the um, uh, eco warrior. She's like the poster child for eco warrior. I should look her up. <laughs> um, I think it's great that like the young kids have someone to look up to. It's really pissing me off. Like, obviously, she's not. Um, she hasn't studied this stuff but she's well on her way she's only young she can you know i think i may have seen her across youtube like yeah. she's done a lot of activism yeah she's stuff. an activist she's yeah an activist, which is which is great and it's great that um young kids can have someone to look up to as being an activist but when people say um this war against millennials like greta thunberg i'm like she's gen z <laughs> like, you're like oh stop it <laughs> Yeah, it, it gets frustrating when people get their wires crossed like that, for sure. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit more about your singing and your voice, because I'm very inspired by you vocally. Aww. And, um, like, you have a lot of confidence in your ability. Um, I tend to have more confidence in my own dance ability. Yeah. Not, and then, for me, singing came later. Right. Um, yeah, so I, you know, started dance at the age of three and did it all the way through. And then singing, I think, really was something um, introduced to me and in going to a, a vocal coach and doing it more formally around the age of probably like 12, 13. Yeah. Um, which is such a nerve wracking age. <laughs> you know, uh, you go through the ugly teenage phase when you're growing yeah, up and, you're and like, like I had braces stage. and stuff. Yeah. And like, I will never forget the first song my coach uh, at the time gave to me, which is not age appropriate. And I think, what was it? Um, it, it it was somewhere that's green from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, that's loaded. It's a yeah. She's abused. That's and married. And, <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't know the song, like it's about, uh, it's a character song in the sense like she's got this squeaky voice, which it wasn't given to me as a character song. It was just given to me to start vocally learning something. Yeah. Um, but in in terms of the context and the storytelling, yeah, she's been abused by an ex partner. Um, and she's fantasizing basically about the white picket fence and the life that she could have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and my, <laughs> my, based in the 1950s, was is it, it? Is it? I think it's a, it's a, it's sort of like a period piece. Yeah. yeah. I'd say, yeah, let, let's say yes. I'll check it. Then. Yeah. But she has that housewife, um, image to her, like yeah. wearing the poodle skirt and the apron and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, bit of a Marilyn Monroe type look to her as well. Um, and so... I was 13, not in touch with my sexuality whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had braces. Yeah. Um, my body wasn't even a woman's body yet. Like yeah. I probably, this was like, I probably hadn't even just started puberty, only just, you know, yeah. when you're 13. So, um, yeah, like 11, 12, around there. Um, and he really was trying to get me to storytell um, and like, uh, the context of my coach, he was like massive in, in the industry in terms of like he was able to get roles and, um, you know, I, I never felt, don't take this the wrong way if anyone's reading into it too much. Like I was very comfortable in this person's presence, like in terms of sexuality, like he was gay, you know, yeah. it's not, it wasn't like he was this man teaching me this song and it sounds yeah, yeah. age inappropriate scenario wise. I just think in terms of... Um, being able to relate to a 13 year old who's so young needing to do vocal lessons it was just maybe uh, as a coach he was very inexperienced maybe you felt out of your depth with such a older character yeah and it was my but it was my first ever song with my first ever formal vocal coach yeah um so I was like what have I gotten myself into Mm -hmm. like um but when you're 13 you don't know any different and I you just go with it yeah. because what do you know? You don't have the experience. And to be honest, neither did my parents. Like they're not from the industry. I'm their first experience at the time of, of all this sort of world. Yeah. So, but, um, 
in terms of just self-expression and like I know when I dance freestyle and just put on music I feel really free so is that something you turn to vocally like is singing to you kind of like breathing um yes so it's like you I play to my strengths so singing has always Mm. been my strength in high school my voice got me the roles like I was a terrible dancer but I would learn the choreography hardcore just to make it look good on stage and then forget it as soon as you know short-term memory short-term memory (laughs) it's like exams you learn it for the exam and then it's gone you know which is a real shame because obviously in education that's not the aim no it's not the aim it's (laughs) retention not of facts but like oh anyway that's another topic Um, (laughs) yeah it's retention not regurgitation exactly um but yes like singing has always been my thing i guess for want of a better explanation uh my dad is a guitarist um and he sings also and my mom um used to play the tiple which is a guitar like instrument mm. um of colombia or like the andean region okay um and her family's very musical we've got so many singers and guitarists and drummers in, in that family nice. and i feel like it's it's very part of our family and yeah um very influenced by colombian music when i was younger and probably now and the beatles so as long as i can remember i heard the beatles being played every day and so i think dad has a home video of me at like two <laughs> going um she's got a ticket to ride <laughs> you know? yeah and oh he, yeah because he was and like two i was two <laughs> I would have been like, what is my child? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she talented? Like, I mean, I probably didn't have the best diction. Like, nothing's changed. <laughs> the best diction. But um, in the video, Dad is saying, how do you know that song? I was like, because you play it every day. And, you know. Yeah, you like, hear it. My child loves singing. You know? Yeah. Um, and I've always had a very musical ear, like, um, uh, to pick the tune and stuff like that and the key. Like pitch. Oh, the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have perfect pitch, unfortunately. Um, when I have a song, I definitely change it to the key of, <laughs> of my liking because I know I'll sound better in this certain key. That's perfectly which normal. Is fine. Like I, all I, professionals do. Yeah, that. I'm a mezzo. Like, yeah. Like, I'm not going to say Play your strength. Like, yeah, play to my strength. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, singing just makes me feel free. And, um, also I didn't know how freeing it could be by getting a, um, vocal coach. Mm. Um, in Brisbane, I briefly worked with one, um, and two in Melbourne and they've just helped me. Like, I, I've always been like, no, I'm an alto. I can't sing high. I can't do it. I didn't even know I could belt. Really? And like Carla Tonkic and Erin Kennedy, they helped me get up there and belt it. Oh my God. And even kind of like fatten up my lower register as well. That's amazing. So I've got a much better register than I thought I could ever get. <clears throat> I've always been a bit of a skeptic when it comes to voice lessons and vocal coaches. And like, I, th- I think because I'm such a visual person, yeah. like as a dancer in front of a mirror, you can see the aesthetic and you can actually see before your own eyes that you're getting stronger, that your lines are getting better yeah. and that you feel more in control of your body. Yeah. So, but when it comes to vocal, I have been, cause I, I, I know when I warm up my voice, I always sound better and yeah. you feel more in control of your voice as well. Yeah. But, um, it, it yeah, I've always been skeptical on the long term. Like maybe I've just never stuck to vocal lessons with a coach long enough yeah. to hear the difference. And it's all it's also a little bit of like, do you tend to feel a little bit the same where you can have like vocal dysmorphia? <laughs> like you don't know what you sound like. Like you need that feedback from right. someone to be like, yes, that's the note. That sounds amazing. And you might not actually believe that it sounded as good as they're telling you, but it must because the way that your voice sounds inside your own head vibrating is different. It's different. But it's also, like, I do believe in that, yes, but also it's the feeling. Because Hmm. when you, for example, um, you said a high C. Yeah. For example. Um, I can do that now, you know. And before, there is no way I wouldn't try it. Yeah. And it's a confidence thing. And now Hmm. when, because... Confidence, yeah. Yeah, definitely confidence. But also, these vocal coaches give you the tools to do it to what seems like flawlessly because you're supported, you're relaxed. Right. You're like, your tongue is in the right position. You've got air in the right place. And when you get there and it feels like you're just walking in the park. Oh, because, that's what I've wondered. Yeah. I really would love to get to that point yeah. vocally. <laughs> yes. Like, um, I haven't, my, my, my poor vocal coach, I haven't seen her um, since this pandemic started, but I can't wait to get back to her because she has like these tools to just make it feel so easy. 
Yeah. Uh, and I'm not even at the... I should go see her too. Oh, see her. Yes, Erin Kennedy. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> I'm very um, much an in-person... Um, like, I prefer the in-person interaction yeah. of a teacher vocally than over Definitely. Zoom or something. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not really a Zoom person either. Like, I, I teach on Zoom. But like, I don't think I could be a student on Zoom, especially not for dance. Um, I'm just a very visual person. But it's yeah. so relieving for me to hear that you can get to a point vocally, for anyone listening, if you want to try vocal lessons, yeah. that it does get easier with time, which logically makes sense with anything. Like, you yeah. practice it, you get better at it, it becomes yeah. easier with practice. Yeah. But like I said, I've always had that sceptical voice about vocals and that you can get better. Oh, you I can totally get better. I weirdly saw... Um, a compilation of Ariana Grande from when she was in high school to yep. where she is now. Yeah. And because I think she's a phenomenal vocalist. Yeah. Um, but there was footage of her progressing over the years and like back when she was doing her like high school productions or college productions. Yeah. Um, and there was footage of her singing and I was like, like she was good and you could tell someone had talent and if they practiced and trained and like honed that, they could turn out to what she is to this day. Yeah. And that's exactly what she did. Yeah. And it's like, but it gave me the belief to see a progression of someone who I admire vocally. Yeah. To be like, oh, they were never that good to, like, they didn't just come out of the womb and they were that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people are like that. <laughs> some like, people are gifted, though. You're between, like, you, Biatch, or, like, oh, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> no, it definitely helps because I remember starting um, the course that we did mm. um, and I learned going okay, you guys all need a vocal coach as of now. And I was, like, offended. Like, pff, everyone's telling me that I have I'm a natural gift I'm to this world. And then, <laughs> wow. Like, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, Jessica, because <laughs> found Carla and she was fantastic and also helped me to be so much better than I was. And oh, definitely, definitely. I can't wait to go back to Erin. That's so wait. good. Because um, we're not done. We're not done. Like, <laughs> well, you, well, you're never done, right? No, you're never done. But apparently, like, I've ever since I discovered I could belt, I've just been doing it nonstop. And then when um, uh, we've had like industry professionals come in and be like, I'm so sick of this new um, thing of the last ten years. Like all the musicals, like we need belters. We need belters. What about the like sweet upper notes with the clear yeah. voices? And I, I, I like heard that. What about the Jelly Lawrence and Cats? Yeah. Like, that can do the Chris yeah, yeah, Pisces. Yeah. And, and stuff, I, yeah. I switched to, my, my approach is not best, but I switched to like a sweeter, softer, not belty song just to see what would happen. And that industry professional was like, yes, more of that. And I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I suppose like in an audition sense, they want to see your versatility as well. So if you can find a song that has the money note that belts, but then you can start off like the first verse that is a bit more sweeter and yeah. softer and more melodic I suppose yeah. but yeah um, and it's fun because it's like a nice massage for the throat like or vocal cords I should say not, they're not the same thing <laughs> <laughs> people say but no yeah yeah vocal vocal folds vocal and folds. yeah um but yeah like uh just in terms of your own well-being especially during um the the season of life we're all going through right now yeah like have you been singing around the house and like dancing around and being silly like what have you been doing to kind of keep your inner child alive so it's interesting that you say that because when i was going through the tough time at the beginning pre-cats pre-cats yeah like felines yeah (laughs) not the musical yeah (laughs) yeah um i wasn't and then we got yenny and um dante my partner said to me one day you know you're singing again Oh. And I was like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I was like, what? Really? Because yeah. it is a joy, isn't it? Like, And it comes from the heart when you um, sing and dance and it gets you connected to your inner child. And like, that's where joy kind of um, comes from. Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed to cry, Jessie. <laughs> um, no, it's really good. Like, vulnerability is healthy. Um, and such a lovely thing as well to have a partner who can be there and, and hold up the mirror of, like, your light is shining again. Yeah, you know? so He's wonderful. like, you're singing again. Like, that's so lovely. You better listen to this. I love you. <laughs> Dante. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that is, that is so gorgeous. Um, she's handing me a tissue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we all deserve people in our lives like that, whoever they are, whether it's a lover yeah. or... A, Love, lover or a family member or even just a friend to be like, I see you and um, 
I definitely feel that with you being over here today. Um, <laughs> Jesse's got to see the apartment and the home that I've built for myself because um, I went through a massive life change personally yeah. um, from living with my partner's family and then having to, well, ending that relationship and then moving into my own apartment. So it's been a massive life shift of relationship and living. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jesse was like, oh, you've really made a nice home for yourself. And, yeah, and it's um, so you. Yeah, and it's so you. It's I've had a few Laura. people say, <laughs> you look at the apartment and you're like, that is you in an apartment. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the colors and the choices that I've made. And that's really, um, it's it's so nice when someone can just be like, uh, yes, they're giving you a compliment, but they're holding the mirror up to be like, mm. you know, the positive sides to you as a person. Um, makes a huge difference, and we all need to hear it. Um, so, yeah, we love you, Dante. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's about you, Laura. <laughs> but, yeah. It's... And we love, and I love you, Jesse. And, like, um, yeah, no, it's, like, it's just really touching in such a time that we're going through, so. Yeah. I'm glad that we managed to have you over before the, was it before the second lockdown hit? Yeah, it was stage three and we yeah. could all still um, go to each other's houses um, with limited numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, that was really good um, that I came over and got to see you guys and hang out and chat. And, yeah, that was good. Yeah. And I can't wait till, is it the end of September and then the end of October when things open? Yeah, and it's been, I think we're all going to notice a big shift of how we relate to each other in a more human way. Like, I think we're all going to see each other and truly see each other now. Yeah. Like, instead of just being like, oh, how are you? It'll be like, no, really, like, how, really, are, you? how are you? Yeah. And I've always been that kind of person. Yeah. I don't know about you, but, um, and then being a hairdresser by trade, like, when I get to know my clients, I genuinely care for them on a soul level to just be like, hey, for the 30 minutes that you're in my chair, just tell me everything. Yeah. Like, this is a safe, non-judgmental space. Yeah. Like, how are you really doing? And pe everyone needs to be able to see that someone can see you for who you are. Yeah. Speaking of your, um, like, this, the whole hairdresser and customer, or client, I should say, um, dynamic, I always get so awkward <laughs> at hairdressers. I don't know if I should talk, whether I'm going to be the talker, whether they're going to be the talker. Like, I don't yeah. know if this is social anxiety, which... I, I don't believe I have, but it's always like, um, do you ever have that client that it, like talks too much <laughs> about themselves and you're just going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm? Um, I mean, I'm inherently a talker myself. Yeah. So um, if I do get someone in my chair and they are a talker, I love it. Yeah. Um, because I've been in the industry so long now doing barbering that I am on autopilot with my hands, which yeah. <laughs> don't sound alarmed. I'm good at my job. <laughs> but um, once I get the consult down, yeah. which is the first 10 minutes of talking about the haircut, um, I can then just sort of do my job. And then the enjoyment level for me is then connecting with the person. Yeah. So I think it comes down to who, like even as hairdressers, what kind of a person they are. But I mean, you wouldn't get into hairdressing unless you like talking right, <laughs> and, you right. wouldn't, and you wouldn't get into hairdressing unless you liked people. Like you have to be yeah, a people person. person. Um, I tend to, uh, usually with the consult and with the greeting at the start of the appointment, I'm 100% myself and I make, I, I make it about the client because once you get the consultation down, like if you screw up the first 10 minutes of talking about, okay, what haircut are we doing on you today and what would you like? Yeah. Um, if you screw up the consult, you're basically going to give them the wrong uh, service, like yeah. the wrong haircut. They're not going to be happy. So I'm all about communication in the first yeah. 10 minutes and also just um, getting to the point of then being like, how are you? Yeah. Um, but everyone's so different clientele-wise, so it's, it's a massive skill that you can only learn with experience is how to read people. Yeah. Um, and that's an on-the-job thing. So they can't even teach you that in TAFE when you do your trades at, um, yeah, when, you, when you're actually doing your um, education. Mm -hmm. um, they talk to you about it and they tell you about it, but it is... It's not something you know... It's an experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it takes time and experience. But I often do get people in the chair and they don't give me two cents. And I yeah. go, okay, today's not the day for them. Yeah. And then I've had other clients that... You know, I've got this one particular client um, and because uh, I've been working in South Yarra over the last like year or two and um, 
they uh, South Yarra has a lot of people who dress really really nice for oh, work yes. and corporate types and things yeah. and he was a brand new client and um, obviously I ha- had never met him before um, but you take on someone's first impression and he didn't seem to be a talker like I read his body language and he told me what he wanted with his hair and then um, you know for some people as well when they come get their hair cut they're on their lunch break and it's their downtime yeah some gentlemen their dads it's it's the one hour out of the house that they get to <laughs> <laughs> like if it's the weekend on a Saturday and they yeah. come get their hair cut it's their one hour to themselves where they're not working and they're not with the kids and so sometimes they do do just want to sit there and enjoy the haircut yeah um, so it's, yeah it's taking into consideration the demographic but this particular gentleman who was quiet and well-dressed and stuff like he came back to me um, over and over because I think after reading him in the first appointment how he wasn't much of a talker then he opened up to me right yeah and like he like I can't shut him up now because (laughs) (laughs) because you know I kind of um let the client take the lead of what kind of interaction they want especially on the first visit Mm -hmm. um but when they kind of get a gist of your energy I mean we're touching them we're in a very personal space of like vicinity yes um so if you're into auras and energy or something, you know, you're in their personal space. So you're getting a gist of them, they're getting a gist of you. Um, but it was just so nice to then see how someone can then be completely open and tell you everything. Um, yeah, so in terms of you on a personal level, like having some kind of social anxiety to it, you're probably sensing that they're reading you and yeah. and you're like, do I talk, don't I talk? Like, um, but it's actually the hairdressers probably facilitating your space. So yeah. if you want to talk, just talk. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, if you're not in the mood, don't think you as a client have to perform because it's actually the hairdresser that's there performing for you. Yeah. And you're a performer by nature too. So you probably want to like facilitate in some way. Yeah. And I get tired of it cause I do that for my job as well. So like, yeah, not, like as a teacher, as a teacher. Yeah. Cause you know, I have classes 5 PM to 9 PM and 8 30 to 2.30 or sometimes 4.30 and you have to, to be on don't you have to be on and try and make an online class exciting <laughs> you know and try <laughs> and, then, yeah. and start the conversation and bring the energy and oh yeah, I love my job I actually do but um, sometimes you're just like you finish the class and you're like where did I get this energy from I was not like I was not energetic prior to this class yeah, like, yeah. I was asleep on the couch <laughs> yeah yeah no that's all that's yeah. all totally fine um but uh, just to wrap things up slowly yeah. um was there anything in terms of culture that you really wanted to push forward like a positive message yes um well I just love that Colombian Australian yeah Colombian yep. Australian English technically so I was born in Colombia um had every plan to live there my family um it was dangerous at the time. Um, I was born in 89, so if you do your research, I don't want to talk about this particular drug lord because I'm so sick of people making um, series about him, so I'm not even going to say his name. But um, it was a difficult and dangerous time. Um, so because we had uh, British citizen- citizenship because of dad, he's British, mm-hmm. English, um, we moved there, too cold, too expensive. Um, Moved to Brunei. The UK was too cold, too expensive. Too cold, yep. too expensive, yeah. I was sleeping in a um, suitcase as a baby. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there, there's photographic evidence. Um, <laughs> it's really cute. Um, and so after Asia and stuff, we moved to Australia. Hmm. Um, so while we were living in Asia, it was this was kind of like where my obsession with travel and, and multiculturalism started because we were part of an expat community of different cultures mm-hmm. where everyone, you know, I was like studying, well, in English, but with French kids and there was some Latin kids and there was some you know, British kids and mm. Asian kids and like, you know, everything. And there were languages and different cultures going on and we were at each other's houses. And yeah, my um, neighbors were from Lesotho. And my best friend was this um, African girl, right. Lesothian girl. Um, what sort of what? Sorry, what country is that? Lesotho in Africa. Oh, um, right. I'll show you on a map because I'm not sure which country is next to. Um, but we can do that. After. Yeah, we can do that. After. <laughs> um, so just like, you know, being at each other's houses every day and coming to Australia in, I can never remember if it's '95 or '97. Hmm. Around um, there. Around there. <laughs> to such a white <laughs> school, like I was not oh. used to it, and you know I am 
white. Yeah. Like, like you appear white. I appear white. I yeah, I look white. Um, so I blended right in. My sister's not. Um, right. She, uh, you've met her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Met, yeah. She's, she's more olive. Yeah. She's yeah. olive. Um, big brown eyes, jet black hair, tall, curvy. Yeah. She's like the, what people call the typical Latina look, just tall. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, so she actually looks like that, and she, um, I remember a little kid saying, "Get out of my class, blackie." Um, to, to her, your sister. to my sister, and me, wow. me almost punching the kid. Oh my god! Because I'm very protective of my sister. Well, it's just not what you say. No, you know, <laughs> you know, that's from the parents. Yeah, yeah, that's from the parents. And um, having a school like that, and gl- growing up saying I hate Australia because it's not like I'm used to in, in this multicultural place um, mm. in Borneo, um, and then slowly seeing the change of acceptance and stuff mm. um, through time. Like yeah. it, it's been great. And you know, so good. Like, and now it's filtering into the And industries. we're still young too. Yeah. So to be able to see the change in such a short period of time, you know, um, yeah. like I'm 29. Because how old are you? I'm 31. Ooh. I'm older than you? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's still that generation of like age group um, demographic. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very impressed with the amount of change that you've witnessed. Oh, definitely. We're not there yet. Like, we're definitely not there. We're on the way. <laughs> we're on the way. But there's like back to um the musicals and stuff like changes like on a global scale like not cast not allowing a cast of full white people for example to do um what's the 60s musical um hairspray hairspray is fantastic small changes like that yeah you know um i'm all on board with that i saw a production of um hairspray with one black person one oh. Islander person as little Inez, she was she was the bum. Yeah. They all had great voices, but it was embarrassing. Like oh. the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. The guy is white with blonde hair and blue eyes, like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Like I was oh. in my chair like this is so bad. And you know, there also needs to be the positive message put out there more to people who aren't white in Australia to please Go do musical theatre. Yes, go you know, for it. In, like, in go in, dance. And yeah. boys, please boys dance Boys, boys, sing. boys. Yeah. In all um, industries. Express yourself and, and don't, like, let toxic masculinity or sexuality get in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, um, I worry for my – well, I worried for my sister. She's now in England, which I, I argue is uh, further along in the advancement than Australia is. Yeah. Um, she um, – is a brown person and she wants to be well she's a journalist so she wants to be an anchor or something like that you know oh wow last i checked she's now in leeds um you know and i worry about um the kind of people that are on tv definitely talented all mm. white mm. now changing yeah you know in mm-hmm. the last couple of years changed so like if she ever decides to come back which she had better <laughs> come back to australia this is a public service yeah, announcement yeah. for jesse's sister yes <laughs> emily i miss you come home <laughs> But yeah, no, I totally feel like everything that you mentioned today in the podcast. Yeah. And I just really want to thank you so much for being on the show today no and problem. for being here in person with me. So and like, it's um, definitely helping me fill up my cup yeah. um, of seeing you and um, uh, giving each other that encouragement um, as friends and just as humans to be yeah. like, I love you and I see you. And like, we're going to get through this time in our lives together. Yes. So we um, will prevail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. So um, more than happy to have you back on the show again. And um, yeah, hopefully those listening, you guys got something out of Jesse's experiences and stories today. And that's just what we're all about here. So thanks for listening and we'll be back really soon. Thank you. Ciao, ciao for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can find more information on the podcast and other episodes on our Instagram at lifestyle.mindfulnesswithbora. We publish podcasts weekly, so stay tuned for the next one. Have a beautiful day or evening and keep stepping into your authentic self.